All right, so we can begin this morning, and uh, uh, we're continuing. This is the Friday, the fifth day of our first CSA online retreat, <coughs> and it's been going well. Excuse me. <coughs> and we will continue again next week, so we'll have another five days, uh, which will be just like this week, reflecting the same time. Uh, 10 o'clock in the morning and 2 o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and we will continue with our 50-minute uh, meditation to begin with, and then some, some interaction, some class. And depending on who shows up, if we have all new people, then we will go back to some basics. If we have uh, <clears throat> a number of you that are continuing with us, then we will... Um, explore a little bit deeper into the yoga sutras and talk about some some new things as well so so we'll keep this fresh and of course we're always um, open to having questions so this helps to direct the you know direct our conversation so it can be appropriate to the folks that are are listening and showing up so uh, and there's a question here <coughs> excuse me uh, from yesterday, uh, someone was asking about where and when the meditations this week would be posted. So we're not recording the meditations. Um, I didn't see any reason to to record 50 minutes of silence. <laughs> so if that's something that's uh, uh, interesting to someone, then you can let me know and next week we'll record some of them, but you know, uh, have, wasting our bandwidth, taking our time and our space up to just sit in silence is, I'm not sure if that's uh, really useful. So you let me know. Um, the discussions are recorded, most of them. We don't, we have some technical difficulties from time to time, um, but most of them are recorded and I haven't yet created the space to start posting our workshops, but the plan is to have uh, a special uh, page on the CSA website that will host the uh, retreats and the workshops from our ministers. And so we'll have kind of a special place for that. So it'll be separate from our normal videos. Um, but it's, I'll just have to take some time to be able to put that together. So that'll be forthcoming. Uh, but in the meantime, you can come back next week and participate and we'll have an opportunity to stay fresh and inspired and uh, and to share with each other in consciousness. So that's that's going to be available. And then we will continue this process the first two weeks of May. And as far as I know, the first two weeks in June. And we don't know what's happening beyond that. So. Uh, so come back and join us next week in the afternoon. Our workshops will be um, with uh, Chris uh, Sartain from Chile and uh, Catherine Gettis-Loki from Florida. So we have uh, those folks will be doing workshops for us on Tuesday and Wednesday. So that's the that's the news about what's coming up in the near future. And of course we have our Sunday, uh, Sunday uh, service, meditation service at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And everyone's welcome to join us for that. So that's happening. So this week we went through uh, 
kind of our basic uh, teaching procedure like we do at most retreats. We began on Monday with a, a little conversation about meditation, about the what meditation is, this gentle flowing of attention, bringing together the attention, uh, the awareness with an object in order to become so focused and so identified with that, that we're able to transcend, move beyond that into this experience of being, samadhi, uh, pure conscious awareness. So, so we talked about our meditation practice, and then on Tuesday we talked about Kriya Yoga. What is the, the bigger picture? Kriya Yoga is more than just meditation or meditation techniques. It includes how we live. And so discipline, self-study, and releasing, letting go of the ego, the sense of separation. This is Kriya Yoga. And so we talked some about what that means and how that works. And then on Wednesday, we had an opportunity to uh, talk a little bit about, give some biographies and talk about our guru lineage, Mahavatar Babaji, Lahiri Baba, uh, Sri Yukteswar, Paramahansa Yogananda. And so we told a little bit of their story and how they came to be uh, the masters that they are, that they were. And, uh, and then yesterday we had a chance to talk a little bit more about pranayama. Pranayama is, a, is also an important uh, aspect, an important um, attribute of our Kriya Yoga practice. And so we talked about pranayama and uh, how to practice a couple of really very basic useful pranayamas and also some of the physiological um, changes that take place, some of the influences and the benefits of pranayama. So it's uh, amazing to me as I learn more and more about the physiology, the biology, and how, how things work. And I'm really amazed that these yogis thousands of years ago were able to figure out these practices and these procedures that had such an amazing physiological effect on the body so and again our uh, our basic pranayama for the most part uh, helps to oxygenate the blood it brings more blood up into the heart and more through the lungs and so we become very oxygenated and as the blood becomes more oxygenated then the need to have more breathing for more breaths uh, subsides so the trigger that causes us to breathe is the buildup of carbon dioxide in the blood. So when the carbon dioxide levels come up and the oxygen levels go down, then that triggers a breath. And so when our oxygen is being depleted very quickly, when we're anxious, when we're running around, then our breath comes very quick. And when we're very relaxed, very calm, and breathing yogically, we're breathing deeply, then we have lots of oxygen and we're able to be very relaxed and very calm. And then, of course, the other part was the vagus nerve, which, which allows for uh, the parasympathetic, that is the relaxation response, the, the cooling down of the body and the turning on of digestion, elimination, and immune function. So these, these very important cleansing, detoxifying, all these things uh, happen when we're not under stress. When we're, when the sympathetic nervous system is quiet, the parasympathetic nervous system is turned on and fully active, and 
this parasympathetic nervous system uh, is activated primarily by the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is activated when we exhale. So isn't it interesting when we chant OM, we breathe in briefly and we chant and we breathe out OM for an extended time. And the vagus nerve is just tickled. It's just activated. It's dancing around and joyful and turning on the parasympathetic nervous system, relaxing the body, enhancing the immune system. So all this physiological benefits are happening just from simple chanting, you see, and we can, we can feel it, but on a deeper level, even at, at levels that we're not uh, particularly aware of, it is having an effect that is very beneficial. So so yesterday we talked more about pranayama and also uh, that on a subtle level, um, working with this, with the prana, with the life force has a tendency to cleanse and to purify our nervous system. And the nervous system is that which consciousness uses in order to express. And so when we can refine the nervous system, when we can uh, tune it up and bring it into harmony and enhance it in the right way, then it's much easier for consciousness to move through unimpeded, unencumbered, and to, to allow us to come to this conscious state of liberation. So, uh, and as we act in the world, at whatever we do, however we think, everything has an effect and influence on our brain and our nervous system. And when I say brain and nervous system, there is no difference. You know, the rest of the nervous system in the body, including the vagus nerve and all the sense receptors, all that are really brain. They're extensions of the brain. They're not separate. And so whatever we're doing is, to a certain degree, rewiring, uh, enhancing neural networks, enhancing the, the communication paths, uh, turning on and creating net little networks that operate and disabling networks that are no longer useful. And so we are constantly changing our, our brain and our nervous system based on what we do. So if we are learning to play the piano and we're wiggling our fingers on a keyboard and trying to get them to not get stuck between the keys, then the part of our brain that's responsible for manual dexterity get stronger these neurons grow and eventually if we practice and practice and practice uh, eventually the the brain rewires itself in such a way that we don't have to think about it we don't have to make any effort all we do is just have the intention of playing the c chord and it happens just like when we tie our shoes we don't have to think about it we just say, we just think, well, I need to get my shoes on and tie my shoes. And the next thing we know, we're walking out the door. There is no conscious thought required because we have rewired the brain through practice and practice, and it has become an automatic part of us. Uh, I remember Charlie Yardberg Parker, a great jazz musician, uh, was once asked about uh, how to become great, you know, and he said, he said, well, first you have to learn your instrument, you have to learn how this thing works, you know, what you're playing. And then you have to practice, practice, practice. And then when you get out on the bandstand, when you're out in the world, forget all that stuff and just wail. 
So just, you know, we, we practice and we practice so we don't have to think about it. We don't have to think about being peaceful and content and being mindful. This becomes an automatic part of us because of our discipline and our practice. And so, and so it's important for us to know, to be reminded that everything we do has an effect on our mind and our brain and our wiring. And when we are exposed to negativity and limitation and pessimism, this rewires our brain. We have neurons now that are dancing in harmony with these these negative with negativity and fear and anxiety and worry. And if we pay attention and have a feeling response, then the brain says we need to keep this. And so it becomes part of us. We rewire ourselves. We are actually placed under a magical spell where we are changed as a result of the input that we let in. At the same time, if we are positive and optimistic and we look and we're uh, forward looking and we look for the best in life instead of the instead of what may uh, be the most harmful instead of being fearful then we rewire ourselves to be sensitive to that which is working to that which is positive and optimistic we change our perception we change our way of relating to the world based on how we're using our instrument so uh, so it's useful to be aware of this. This is why we're encouraged to spend time with people who are like-minded people, who are positive and optimistic, and to avoid exposing ourselves to places that are tamasic, that are heavy, that are down, or to, you know, too much news, too much fear and anxiety and worry. Um, too much of this input changes us, and it changes the way we are perceiving I ask myself often, I say, you know, this, this world has gotten kind of a little bit crazy and a little bit uh, interesting and not a very positive way uh, when we start to look at the differences between people and we start to build walls and borders and, and, and look at differences. And um, we take these imaginary lines, you know, if you look at a map, if you look at, at the uh, Google satellite Earth, and you turn all the filters off and you just have satellite earth, there are no countries, there are no boundaries, there are no differences between spaces. There is just this beautiful planet and this beautiful environment. And so with the tendency toward nationalism and separation and worrying about what that person's doing and what that person's doing, all this creates a kind of a disharmony and, and so I asked myself, why is it that so many people, and not stupid people, bright people, intelligent people, uh, successful people, why is it that so many of them are enchanted by these ideas of separation and limitation? Why is it that so many people buy into these, this sort of nationalistic idea and mentality? And it is because they're exposed to these ideas and they allow themselves to be exposed over and over, and it changes the perception. The horse blinders now are focused on all the things that can possibly go wrong, and they don't see anything on the outside. They can only see that which they already have a resonance for inside, same way that we are. There is an old saying, you know, that seeing is believing. 
Well, it's actually not true. It's actually the opposite. Believing is seeing. We only see and we only perceive what we already have within us, what we already have a resonance for, what we already have a listening for. And so if we are if we are believing and living in this consciousness of negativity and limitation and separation, then all we do is see things that affirm what we're looking for. On the other hand, if we learn to be positive and optimistic, if we just, you know, have our little, a uh, little notepad, and the first thing in the morning, we write down five things that we're grateful for. You know, this is just a, a very simple process, but it turns our attention into what is it that I'm grateful for? What is it that's working? You know, my first thing when I in in the morning, if I was doing that, I do it sort of mentally. You know, the first thing I do in the morning is say, "Thank you, I'm alive, I'm breathing, I have you know the body's still working, and there's a new, a new day and a new opportunity." And so we can start uh, start changing our consciousness, changing our awareness by deciding how we're going to pay attention and what we're going to pay attention to. So this can be, you know, a very useful part of our process. So enough about that. Um, and I wanted to revisit, I did have another question that came through an email yesterday about the difference between uh, vrittis and vasanas. And so we'll go back to Monday when we talked about the, the second sutra at the beginning of the yoga sutras where Patanjali says, Yoga Chitta Vritti Niroda. Yoga, that is, yoga is the bringing together of attention and awareness, that is, samadhi, oneness consciousness. And yoga happens when the Niroda, the restraining and the restricting of the vrittis, the turnings, the fluctuations in the chitta field of awareness um, occur. So when when the fluctuations in the field of awareness become subtle, subtle, quiet, when they become restrained, uh, nirodha, then what, what occurs is we have this uh, experience of yoga or bringing together our attention and awareness with the object and the ability to then be in this transcendent state. So vritti is, vritti is literally turning. It's like it's whirlpool is the literal translation of vritti. And chitta, the field of awareness, is comprised of uh, three components. That is the manas, the mind, uh, the sensory inputs, and the opinions about what's happening with those senses. So that's manas. And then we have buddhi, which is the intellect, discerning, discriminating, that's another department. And then ahamkara, which is the eye maker, the sense of ego, the sense of separation. So together, these three create what's called the field of awareness or chitta. And we can think of the field of awareness as like a movie screen. So the movie of our life is being projected in this, on this field of awareness. Everything that we can think of, imagine, see, touch, taste, feel, um, remember, all of this is happening on the movie screen, the field of awareness, and the happenings, the turnings, the fluctuations, the changes, these are the vrittis, okay? And so Patanjali says when when all these vrittis, when they calm down, when we turn the volume down, 
we turn the amplitude down on the sensory input and on the thinking and the remembering and the anticipating, when all that becomes quiet, 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 then finally the seer, the observer, uh, abides in the self, in the soul nature. So this is what happens when the vrittis calm down, become quiet. And then he goes on to say in the next sutra that as soon as the vrittis emerge, as soon as some fluctuation happens, as soon as there's something on the movie screen, then the seer identifies with what's happening. So we become identified with the story. We become identified with the fluctuations. We become, become identified with the character that we have made for ourselves, that we are expressing through, and all of the amazing, interesting things that are happening. So, and Patanjali goes on then to describe what the what these fluctuations, what these vrittis actually are. What are the characteristics of the fluctuations that come through this field of awareness? And they are five in nature. The first one is information, knowledge. So, so we get information, we get knowledge, and the knowledge comes primarily from three sources. One is direct experience. So you have knowledge of what it feels like to be sitting on your chair right now. That's a direct experience. Or the condition in your room. Or, um, or many things that you can just look around and you can see and you can feel you know by experience. So this is one form of knowledge, of information. Uh, the second one is inference. And so you can see this very bright uh, windows behind me. And this is not actually a stage prop, this is my house. Um, and you can see it's very bright out there. So seeing that it's very bright, we can infer that the sun is up. It's not nighttime. So inference, we don't see directly, we don't have direct experience, but based on what we observe, we can infer what's happening. And so inference is a second way. And the third way is, uh, valid knowledge that comes as being reported by uh, trusted sources. So, for example, knowledge about our nature as pure consciousness. This is not something that we directly perceive in the beginning. We will eventually, we can. Uh, but this is something that we learn from our teachers, from our gurus, from those who we trust. So, trusted sources valid information, valid knowledge comes from trusted sources. So these are the three ways that knowledge comes to us. So these, these not, and, and these vrittis can be said to be afflicted or not afflicted. That is, they can be, create pain and suffering and cause problems, or they can be supportive. And so we can have direct knowledge of things that are not really useful and not good for us and create problems that are afflicted. So too much news creates these, these direct input of information that is afflicted, that is, you know, not good. So we have to be mindful of the fact that even the knowledge that we have, even the direct knowledge um, may not be good for us and we can control and focus our attention. Uh, the second is erroneous you know, input, erroneous data, where we where we make a mistake. We don't see what's actually happening. We are uh, under the illusion. And so one of the 
the classic stories is we walk out the front door at twilight and we see a snake on the path in front of us and we react and the sympathetic nervous system turns on we become fearful we run away and jump back in the house close the door peek out through the window and look at the snake and it turns out that it's not a snake at all it's a rope uh, or the garden hose you know the sun left the garden hose out there on the on the front porch and and it's not a snake at all so here we are reacting and having this experience based on illusion, based on something that's totally wrong. We got it completely wrong. And so when we misperceive, when we make mistakes in perception, this is uh, error in perception, illusion. Then we have the third <coughs> component, which is um, imagination, concepts. And so we have, uh, they're called vikalpas. And vikalpa is basically uh, uh, an image in the mind that doesn't have a correlating object in reality. And so vikalpas are imaginings. And these are stories we tell ourselves, uh, things that we just make up, you know, um, and also imaginings about possible futures. So we can conceive of something in the future that might be useful to manifest or to create and then we can move move in the direction of creating that creative imagination uses these vikalpas so so they are they are neither you know positive or negative neither afflicted or nor not afflicted depending on how we use them and imagine them so and i think about this the this type of riti this is kind of like the the hollow deck on Star Trek. This was a science fiction uh, television series, and they had this special room where you could go in the room and just tell the computer, "I want to be in the old west, and I want to be with this person and that person." And then the computer would create this simulation, and you here you would be in the old west in a tavern, and and so in the same way, the culpa this this ability to imagine to uh, visualize allows us to imagine realities that don't exist imagine possible futures um, i remember i think it was dan dennett who said uh, the reason that ben and jerry's uh, ice cream didn't invent a liver and onion ice cream was not because they tried it and it was terrible it was because they could imagine what that it would be terrible and they didn't even have to try it so this is be called imagining imagining and then we have uh, the fourth, which is sleep. And sleep is said to be identification with non-existence. So our attention and our awareness, our consciousness is identified with not existing, and this is sleep. And then finally, memory. And memory is a, uh, also a very important part of Patanjali's system. And memory, uh, goes back to the awareness that everything that we do, everything that we think, feel, every action, everything is recorded. And so these memories are carried with us. And as I said yesterday, they actually are called up and applied to what's happening right now to modify our behavior. So we always, we're always checking to see, did this happen in the past? And when it happened in the past, 
was the outcome pleasant or unpleasant? Was this a low survival or was this really a joyful time? And so we use the past, use memory to modify and alter what we're doing in the present and where we're going in the future. And many people, unfortunately, many people make all their determinations about what to do next by looking at the past. They're constantly um, drawn to and carrying around like this big giant bag or um, uh, in the in the great uh, story by Charles Dickens, The Christmas Carol, uh, it begins with um, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, who is you know, a crotchety old man and a you know a curmudgeon, and he's visited by his his partner who has passed, and his partner uh, Joseph Marley is, shows up as a ghost uh, in his sleep. And he's carrying chains. He's got these great long chains, heavy chains that are rattling. And he has a hard time even moving. And he tells Ebenezer, these are the chains that I cast in the experience of my life. And so, so many people are dragging around the past and constantly uh, trying to determine what to do in the future by always going back and referring to the past. And I think of this like, it's like driving a speedboat across the lake and looking back at the wake to try to determine where we're going. So we're constantly looking back and we, we're not looking forward. We're not optimistic and positive and setting a goal and moving in, in the direction of um, where we can be rather than where we have been. So, so memory is another vritti, another thing that pops up into our field of awareness uh, another fluctuation that disturbs our our composure and uh, and uh, keeps us from experiencing from resting in oneness consciousness. So, so these are vrittis, and then the question is, well, how do the vrittis relate to the vasanas? Now, vasanas are impulses that come from within these these bubble up from within so they're coming from deeper levels of consciousness subconscious um, and they bubble up and they're impulses that impel us to do things and so and roy used to used to remind us he says when you're meditating it's okay to go into this super conscious this expanded state to be one with all to let go of all sense of separation and ego and to expand into the infinite. It's okay because eventually the vasanas, these impulses are gonna start to bubble back up and thoughts will start to bubble up and the vrittis will come and the mind will become active and will be led back. And so this happens automatically. So vasanas are these impulses that are that are uh, within us, we can say they're related to karma, that is the, the effects of our actions. Um, and so we find that we are impelled to do things sometimes, and sometimes things that are not really useful for us, habits, addictions, you know, non-useful behaviors. And, and we sit there and we go, you know, I'm a good yogi and I meditate every day and I work really hard at this. And why am I having this impulse? Why is this dragging me back again? You know, why is this coming up for me? So these vasanas are kind of uh, these impulses and they can be thought of also as kind of unfinished business. And so where do the vasanas come from? The vasanas come from the vrittis. 
So when we have a vritti, when we have this whirlpool, this, when we have this turning in the field of consciousness, and it persists, when we come back to this same idea, the same thought, the same little whirlpool, the same turning, and it comes, we come back to it again and again and again and again, and it becomes sort of crystallized. So if we go out and go and look at the stream, uh, we notice that the water is flowing, but the water is disturbed wherever it goes over a rock or a boulder or something underneath, we see this disturbance in the surface. And sometimes if it's a big enough rock, we see this little whirlpool, this eddy behind the rock. And so, um, so the river always looks the same. It's always flowing. It's never the same because it's all made of new water molecules, but they are following a pattern and they are, they are coming across and when there is a boulder, when there is a rock under the surface, it disturbs the surface of the water and it creates this, these little eddies, these little whirlpools, these little turnings. And so we can think of the vasanas as being like the rocks, the boulders, the stones underneath the surface that are, that are affecting the way the surface uh, flows and that are affecting these vrittis. So, so vrittis, when we repeat the way we're thinking and we come keep revisiting and coming back to these ideas again and again and again, we help them to become crystallized, become formed, and then they settle into the subconscious as vasanas, which become impulses to bring us back and create the same vrittis again. You see, it's kind of, you know... It's kind of a self-perpetuating little drama. And this is why we, we, we work to break this cycle of action by being intentional and being mindful. And this is what our Kriya Yoga practice is designed for. So on one hand, we meditate and we practice our pranayama. And this helps to refine and purify the nervous system. This helps to reduce, actually subtly reduce the power, the force of these vasanas, of these impulses. So they become quieted over time. It takes time, but over time they quiet down and they become balanced and harmonized. And then in our external life, in our day-to-day -day life, we observe what we're doing, how we're thinking, feeling, acting. And based on those observations, we change our discipline. We change what we're doing and how we're thinking and feeling. And in this way, we also rewire the nervous system, rewire the brain, the mind, and we start to remove these boulders, these obstacles, these vasanas that are impulses at a deep level. And so, so Patanjali goes on to say that, that we make changes based on practice 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 with focused attention we 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 create our discipline and we show up every day every day um, week after week month after month year after year we continue our practice focused practice and depending on how intense our practice is whether we're really this is really the big thing that's most important to us uh, or whether we just kind of get around to it once a week and sort of dip our toe in the water, uh, that'll determine how quickly we proceed. I mean, how quickly we awaken and how uh, quickly these procedures um, make the changes, the necessary changes within us. So hopefully that makes sense. And then the other thing he says is 
practice on one hand, and the other hand, dispassion. Coming to this point of desirelessness, where we don't have strong compulsions, we don't have strong desires for things to be different, to change. Now, this is not to say that desires are bad. Of course, we have a desire, you know, now we have a desire to have lunch, maybe. Um, so, or supper, if you're in, uh, if you're in Italy or Germany. Um, so we have desires that are healthy and uh, supportive, and so that's fine, but it's the compulsive desires, the non-useful ones, that we get, uh, that we become identified with, the attachments and the aversions. These things are uh, creating uh, the limitations that we need to move beyond. And so we, we come to a place of dispassion where we have no cravings, Nothing that is so important, so, you know, that, that moves us so much that we really are put off of our center, that we have to do this or we have to avoid that. Rather, we're able to stay balanced all the time, to stay balanced, to be content, you see. And in this dispassion, to not be reactive, not be reacting to what everybody says and everybody does to the circumstances and events. We want to stay grounded, anchored, you see. And so this is why uh, in his last interview, Paramahansa Yogananda uh, told Roy, he said, pay no attention to what other people do or don't do. Pay no attention to what's, you know, don't look on the left and don't look to the right and don't look behind you. Go straight ahead to your goal and go all the way. And he was talking about self-realization, awareness, enlightenment, but this applies to everything we do. So we can learn to not react. And when we find ourselves reacting, you know, if we're getting our buttons pushed, feeling our, getting our feelings hurt, uh, being upset, angry, remorseful, whatever, um, we can just simply look at that and go, huh, okay, there's something else that needs to be looked at and worked on. I need to, to, to understand why I'm having these reactions and to disable that. They're like little apps in the background and I want to, get, I want to delete those. I want to get them off the, off the operating system so we can become grounded, anchored in the awareness of our true nature, of our soul nature as consciousness operating through the mind and the body and having a wonderful time doing it, being joyful, you know, enjoying life. We should have this sense of awe and wonder every day at the magic that is life, you know. This is really a blessing, a gift. So, so I think that's enough for this week. Um, unless there are questions, does anyone have a question? You can uh, raise your hand or unmute yourself and ask or Type it into the little chat box. We have this all these amazing technology here. Uh, Walter and Wilma, okay, unmute. Oh, thank you so much for this wonderful week. It was really very nice and very impressive to get so much great information. I think this time is very interesting because we in, in Germany, especially in my country, Bayern, we stay now for the 21st day in our house. Uh-huh. And it's a really wonderful time because we have so much time to practice all these things and when you stand up in the morning, I see myself already um, going to the news, looking for the news 
and um, look for these charts, uh, charts for coronavirus. I look, where is my country, how many people are new infected, how many people died. So to keep yourself out from all this negativity is in this time not so easy. I want to just uh, go out and uh, buy some, uh, some pretzels or something like this. So many frustrated and, and tired and uh, um, you know, frustrated people are around. I feel so much unable to share this peace what I have inside of myself and to support others. Right, so it can be, yeah, it's very useful. Of course, it's good to stay in touch with what's happening. So we want to at least be aware of where, where we are on the planet, especially in these crazy days without becoming too obsessed, without spending, you know, every hour we have to check in and see what the body count is. That's, that's really not useful. So, so, you know, once a day you can check and see where your group is or where your country is um, just to be informed. And then of course, it's great to be able to get outside and walk in nature and spend time, more time with ourselves, and to, to really be introspective. That is to look at, how am I feeling now? I'm now I'm you know, in I'm being sequestered here. I'm kind of like in house arrest. Um, and do I take this as an opportunity to really you know be with myself and to be open, or am I looking for every possible distraction and something to so I don't have to think about what's happening and where I am? So we can really take advantage of these times and and be tuned into ourself to read a little bit more to study to contemplate and to just be you know to just it's amazing to just the opportunity to just be this is a great gift that's been given to us and so i encourage us all to take advantage of that so thank you and thank I you want, for, I, want, I want to say there's still this feeling inside of uh, me i think in many people of us uh, that we are really unable to help to support to share this freedom what we what do we have? Inside. Well, well, uh, we, you may feel that you're unable to support and to sh <clears throat> share this. However, because we're all connected in consciousness, if you, the, to the degree that you stay centered and anchored in this consciousness of oneness, of wholeness, that everything is happening for in divine order, that everything is coming out of. Uh, an evolutionary process that is moving in a positive direction. So rather than looking at the, 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 the limited conditions that appear to be happening around us, when we look back over, you know, with the 30,000 foot view, when we look back at this 10 years from now, we'll see the whole planet changed. Everyone went through this process and it changed everything it changed the way we're relating to the environment it changed economies it changed people because they were you know in this position of having to look at themselves and be with themselves it changed our connection with one another where we we really uh, have this direct sensation that we're all in this together the planet the entire planet has this virus you see, it's not, it's not just the individuals. The planet is, is suffering right now. And the planet has gone into, you know, shelter at home. See? 
You turn down all the non-essential things, just like when you have the virus, your body gets sick, you have no energy, you have to go to bed, uh, and you have some pains, aches and pains. Well, uh, and some, some of the infrastructure suffers. Well, this is happening on a planetary level right now. And so we can just notice that and notice that on the other end of that, our immune system gets stronger. And there are benefits that come as a result. And so we can stay positive and optimistic. And we know this will pass. We know this is, you know, it may not pass in the next month or two, but it, it will pass. And the uh, effects of this will subside and the, the negativity will subside. And there will be solutions to the environment and the economy and the infrastructure. Um, how quickly this evolutionary process turns around, we don't know, but we do know that it will. And, you know, if we've been around on the planet for a few years, I, I have, um, we've seen these things come and go so many times, uh, you know, fear, anxiety, the world is coming to an end. What are we going to do? And then 10 years later, it's like, wow, that happened. Huh. And then we move on, you know? So, so it's it, for us, the most important thing to do is to stay in tune, to stay conscious, to be mindful that we are moving in harmony with these evolutionary processes and to listen to our inner guidance, to our intuition. And this may be the time for many of us to be making plans for the future. What's the rest of my life going to be like? I have a time out and that time out I can use to my advantage and I can imagine. I can use these vikalpas to imagine an ideal future for myself and my family and my, my social circle. What can I do in the future that is going to make a difference? What can I do that will be a useful service? And we can start making plans now to be able to implement our new life once the, you know, once the heaviness uh, subsides and once, the, once we're safe again to, to move and to interact. And we can come out of this with a plan. We can come out of this ready to go, you see. So this is a wonderful time to be making plans. Okay, so I have another 50 years on the planet. Well, I do. Um, I have another 50 years on the planet. How am I going to use that 50 years? How am I going to take advantage of this? And how am I going to be able to um, serve in the highest and best way that's possible? So this is, this is how we can be using this time now. And we know that whatever we're doing in this direction is for the good of everyone. So we may not see, you know, an immediate thing. We may not be able to go out and start feeding people or, or uh, you know, sewing masks for people. That may not be what we're given to do. But we certainly can hold a conscious idea that things are evolving in a positive way and be making plans for a good positive uh, future where we're all making contributions to one another. So that's Thank what you. I think. Okay. So, um, any other questions? I think that's enough. So let's go out there and be mindful and take good care of ourselves. Be safe uh, and keep everyone else safe. You know, be respectful for everyone else. So, you know, don't touch things. Don't touch your face. Wear a mask if you're outside. Stay six feet away from people. and. 
enjoy the time that you have to be quiet and introspective and take advantage of this while you can. So, uh, so we'll see some of you on Monday and this afternoon at two o'clock, we have uh, Pascal will be leading our meditation. And so you can come back and join us for that and be joyful. Thank you. Namaste.